really matters episode 41 and uh today i'm going to be talking about my top 10 movies of 2021 and i'm joined with just rob and my name is nathan mcgeorge and i'm super excited for this episode because i've been looking forward to it for the past month and been rearranging my list for about two weeks straight and overthinking shit but now we're recording and it's time to just Get it all out there. I'm super, I don't know why, but I'm just super excited to just announce it, I guess. Maybe it's mm-hmm. a little self-centered or some shit like that, but I'm just no. excited to put it out there, you know? It's your passion. That's what the podcast is for. And so this, before we get started, I was going to ask you, like, your favorites of the year. Even though your favorites of the year might be might be in mine. Yeah. But just to put it out there for your thoughts on them. Just off the top of the head. I don't know if you have a, you know set top 10 i don't have a set top 10 i haven't this year you know besides the podcast i had my movie watching has been scarce unless it's been you know for the pot but uh, you know the harder they fall Mm -hmm. um what has come out this i don't it's hard for me to tell what's come out between 2020 and 2021 honestly because they're kind of like the same fast and furious nine come on dude (laughs) that came out in 2021 yeah oh that's my favorite movie of the year. What are you talking about? Dude, Barty. that's crazy. <laughs> Barty, because there's nothing more important than family. You know why it's my favorite movie? Because it's a testament to everyone who says, yeah, sequels do suck, but guess what? I don't know any movie, for, unless it's like Police Academy, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't think any franchise in American history has more sequels that keep being positive in the box office yeah. they have never lost money on any of their sequels and us collectively as an american population have <laughs> said yes i know it's ridiculous this is why the rock is in it it's just mm-hmm. like wrestling it's, i know it's fake yeah but it's still entertaining i think the rock has been like five movies this year that's insane off the dude. top of my head you think I've... he's on cocaine Cause there's no way you can. He's oh, you know what? He's just super fit. I think us he's people. Just, he needs something. To, us people who like don't work out like that. I'm like, oh, you have like extra energy and shit. Like yeah, that. he's just like fuck it. I'm down. Yeah, and then I, I'll spend, I don't smoke weed or I'll like spend drink. two and a half months on set just because. Because I can work out in peace for. I told you about his traveling gym, right? Mm-mm. Yeah, he has like an entire like, uh, like in the desert. It's kind of that's what it reminds me of. I'm like, oh, that's like a deployment gym. <laughs> it's like you have it's every just like piece of like, yes, you can break it down and like it's a bunch of you know power, uh, power racks and row machines and ellipticals, and he has all of that. Jungle it, Cruise came out this year too. Oh God, Jungle the kids Cruise didn't even. The kids tried to watch it, and I think they they even knew. I was like. It's a whack ass Jumanji. That's what this is. Red Notice with Ryan Gosling and Ooh, you know what? I didn't even watch I that. I actually like that movie. I didn't even watch it. I didn't even bother. I actually like that movie. Not really. I said definitely a, a B minus movie. Ryan because Ryan, Ryan or not Ryan Gosling. Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, he, it was too much Ryan Reynolds sometimes. Yeah, I was like, okay, said, relax, guys. Yeah, he um he said he's he announced he's taking a break from acting, and I'm. S- 
I'm like, thank God he's been needing to take a fucking break. It's just too much at some point. You're a lot, dude. Like he's you're funny, funny, but it's just like you're just overdoing the same style of comedy. Like, exactly. and it's like calm. That's like, what Red had Notice it. was. Red like we Notice got, we that. had it with Deadpool, and yes. that's it. And then we got Deadpool too, and then oh, that was even better. Yes. But now you're the same person. He's not even like doing anything anymore. You know what I yeah. mean? It's just he's just being Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds yeah. funny in every single thing he's in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, he's his character from Blade Trinity in yeah. every movie. And yeah, he's just been that ever since. What the fuck? Was that a good rhyme? What the fuck? <laughs> that just sounds like you. Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> but that sounds like you quietly exclaiming. Yeah. But I uh should I just get into it? Yeah, please. Right. Mine wouldn't be anywhere. This is a cinema podcast. I'm entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> uh fuck. Let me pull up the official list so I won't go off the top of my head. I do. I did make a list of movies I seen in theaters by myself, but I'll get to that later. Speak on that a little bit. Go into the movies by yourself and tell people why I put you on to it, <laughs> and you were like Jesus Christ. I get it because uh, the okay. So the first movie I did it with was with the Green Knight. This is the first time I ever been to the movies by myself, and like went and I planned. It. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to the movies tonight and just go. And I I smoked before I went in. And probably one of the best experiences. After that, I was like, there's nothing better. There's no better way to have. Because it's one thing to watch a movie by yourself at home and you have like a sound bar and like Mm -hmm. a big TV or whatever and just sit down and watch in your home alone and you're high. That's cool. But there's something to like having a huge theater and you're just, but you don't have to worry about anybody else. You don't have to. Like, if you have food and drinks, you can only pay for yourself. Like, you, don't, you don't have to carry. Yeah. you. We went to go see Spider-Man Saturday. Mm-hmm. All oh, five yeah. of us. So that's five. That's two things of popcorn at least. Mm-hmm. Five different drinks. And then I had to go get it by myself because I didn't want them to miss anything in the movie. Yeah. Oh, fuck. So. That, that sucks. There was like a part of them, the kids were thirsty, and I was like, I'm not getting up again. <laughs> Y'all gonna get these ICs. <laughs> Once we leave the movie theater, you can get your IC, because fuck that. Because I'm not taking you to the bathroom either, but we went and, see, went and saw Spider-Man. Oh, that's my number one of 2021. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. That makes sense. Yeah. Because I saw Spider-Man I really like Celestial and Josh, too. and I saw The Green Knight, and then I saw... I forgot which came out. I want to say the card counter came out first, and then the next week Blue Bayou came out. So I saw all those like straight, like Friday after Friday after Friday. Those are awesome movies you should see by yourself because you're going to cry. So you're like, <laughs> Blue Bayou, I cried shit. for sure. When you're by yourself, you're like, yes, I can fucking cry. I'm going to never see these niggas again. That just reminded <laughs> me that I just saw this this screenshot of a tweet that was posted on Instagram and it said, you know, a movie is going to slap. If it's just you and like five senior citizens in the theater, <laughs> because that's what it was with the card counter. Mm-hmm. And I was ex- extremely surprised because I saw it on the midnight premiere or the night before premiere because nothing's at midnight anymore. Mm-hmm. But I saw it on the Thursday night before it came out mm-hmm. and I was there and then there was nothing but like these like 45 to like 55 year old white people there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, 
did they like enjoy this movie as much as I did? Like I was just really questioning because it's the first time I like really looked around at other people that are at the movie theater. Can I, can I tell you something? Yeah. I think a lot of times when we see those older couples like we did when we went to go see uh, Licorice Pizza, yeah. a lot of that as a married person, I can tell you that is like lazy date. <laughs> like yeah. at some point it's it like, becomes it. like your wife's like I want to go on you're like well let's go to the movies and then y'all end up going to the movies and y'all and are nothing 50. showing yeah you don't you're not on Instagram you don't know what the fuck some of these movies are maybe you google it but mm. I assume no my mom doesn't even have cash app so yeah I don't think she googles anything <laughs> I don't think her first thought is to google something yeah so that that might be that like why you especially here in Arizona where mm-hmm. there's a large retiree population. Mm-hmm. So these people are like, especially when we go to the earlier showings, you're just like, why the fuck are there so many yeah. old people here? You're yeah, like, it just kind of catches me way off guard. It is. It's very surprising. But it also makes me happy that like when the movie's over and they enjoyed it, like I can mm-hmm. see that they enjoyed it. I'm like, okay, it's cool. It's a great movie because it expands to like comp- like polar, almost polar opposite people. I want you to talk to your grandchildren about it. You're like, I want you to go see the movie <laughs> Licorice Pizza. And I have a lot, I do have a lot to say about Licorice Pizza. Yeah. Because. Well, I want to, can I speak on something that is, I know probably in the future is the way that movie theaters have changed. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going anywhere, but people's comfortability levels in the movie theaters because of streaming has changed. Mm-hmm. So, like, when we went to go see Licorice Pizza, like, the, the dude next to me just like, kicked his shoes off, put the recliner <laughs> up, had his feet up in the chair, which is fine, get yeah. comfortable. I've done that, but it's still like a way I sit where I'm like, I'm not at home. Yeah. But then, so we went to go see Spider-Man, and they were still showing previews to The Matrix uh, 4. Mm-hmm. So I just hear this dude behind us, and he's, you know how people try to like whisper, but I don't know but if it's they, like, yeah. like, nigga, like, damn, you don't know how to fucking, like, like you got to make that noise. If other than that, you're just talking quietly. I yeah. can still hear yeah. you, bitch. Sometimes, I, like if I'm with a girl, I'll say something a little out loud. Yeah, but you can hear but that just you're to allowed. make it to make it funny. Like uh, so, like everybody right. else around okay, me can maybe see, laugh. So you know, because so, like there was a time I I went to the early access to the last night in Soho premiere, and I said to the girl next to me, and I was like, it was there was a trailer to House of Gucci. Yeah, and I made fun of Lady Gaga's accent. And I was like, I think she's doing a Russian accent. And everybody else around me <laughs> right. laughed. And so, like, I get, like, that kind of talking, but I do hear what you're I saying. Think, but I think he was trying to do that because mm-hmm. what he said was, I saw that movie at home. Movie fucking sucked. <laughs> like, Trinity's the one? What the fuck? And I'm like, dude, what if people here aren't, yeah. like, streaming? Like, this is the movie theater. Yeah. You have that decorum has been, like, lost on people. Yeah. Like, just because you saw it at home... There's a reason why which is pe- crazy to even think about. Like you're in theaters, seeing a trailer, and like people are have the I access. Have already watched it. Yeah. The, at midnight, and that, and even back back in the day, you could see a pre- a movie, then go to the movies the same week, mm-hmm. and then you'll see the previews of that, and you might hear somebody say that was a good movie. Mm-hmm. Not fucking tell you <laughs> the goddamn end of the movie. Yeah. So I was like, is this the future of like? Are assholes going to be more, not even like assholes, you know how some people are unaware that they're assholes, like you just got so comfortable doing this, like at home, like, oh, I'm just going to walk around while the movie's on, I'm going to go get some popcorn real quick, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go get some fucking like, no, this is still the movie, like I don't want to get up in the middle of the movie. Dude, I'll hold my pee. I I will hold my pee. Yeah. 
What are we doing here, dude? I you can't, can't press pause. I think, fuck, there was one time. Oh, no, no, no. I went to go rewatch Licorice Pizza in theaters. Mm-hmm. On, on, the fir- on January 1st, I went to go see it. And I, I obviously already watched the movie, but I had to like literally wait until I know a scene is about to end and then run out. Dude, honestly, going pee in theaters, I go super quick. I'm almost afraid to go back so quick because people are going to be like, yo, that was quick as fuck. You wash your hands? Like, no. I'm like, no, you fucking animal. <laughs> but, but, um, I've used my sleeve to open the door. <laughs> but I fucking, uh, I get it. Like, with, because going to the theaters, I really like it, especially seeing like a movie like The Card Counter or seeing mm-hmm. a movie like The Tragedy of Macbeth or Nightmare Alley. Shit, I want to see The Matrix in theaters. The now. Nightmare Alley was a bad experience for me because there was this lady. I talked about it on one of the other episodes, but there was this lady fucking talking the whole time. Yes, yes. And I, you think that, and that's that. It's like yeah. she probably does that at home now. Yeah. Before the oh, first time. Okay. And you see what I'm saying? People yeah. are losing People, the theater the decorum. Difference. Okay. It's starting to like blur now. Like, now you're giving them recliners and stuff, so mm-hmm. it does make you feel more yeah, comfortable. I get what you're saying. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So now they think they're just at a big screen version of their house, and mm-hmm. that's not what it is. That's true. It's a communal experience, and people are kind of, I think people have become, and then you still got people who are worried about coronavirus, so you still mm-hmm. see them like trying to mask up and like still looking at, like, bro, just watch the fucking movie. Yeah. You shouldn't have came to the movie <laughs> if you're going to be worried yeah, about that. Yeah, that's what I always see. Like, when I see people at a huge, get like a concert or a, a, a sports, you know, gathering, or especially the movies, it's, and you're wearing a mask, it's like, you don't really care. You know what I mean? You're like, doing that for show. Yeah. You're trying to look responsible. It's just like you're at a fucking Cardinals game. You don't care about Corona. Like No <laughs> football, no true football fans. Let's just say this. We're in Arizona. Let's just assume the average Cardinals fan does not yeah. give a shit That's about fair. wearing the mask. Yeah. And that's just, I'm thinking about Christopher McGeorge right yeah. now. The, first <laughs> the average <one. laughs> Cardinal fan does not give a shit about a mad yeah. dude. So yeah, it is. So that's what I'm saying about the communal experience of watching movies. How it used to be like everybody you knew the rules. Like don't you don't like, shut don't the fuck be up. fucking yeah. like some chick had like a bag of popcorn and she was just like messing with it, like folding it up. And I'm like, see, you think you're at home? Yeah, there's things. I mean, there's li- there's even little things. This is just for me too. But there's people. Like when I saw Tragedy of Macbeth in theaters, I there was this guy sitting um right next to like mm-hmm. right to the right of me. Mm-hmm. Was it packed? Sold out? Uh I think it was. The last time I checked Wait, it was like somebody almost, was sitting next to you. Damn. Yeah, somebody was sitting right next to me and fucking he was just like just at the same pace, like a fucking metronome, just eating popcorn, like for almost the whole movie. That gets in your psyche. That gets in your subconscious after yeah. a while. And I was just like, he hasn't stopped. It, you realize like and, halfway through yeah, the movie. Yeah, I was like, dude, this has been going on the whole, th- and shit like that. Kinda. Like the chick, like somebody who's texting like down so your mm-hmm. eye can just like see the glow from there. This chick was texting the entire Spider-Man movie. Yeah, there was a a guy at Tragedy Macbeth too. He was sitting a row and also to the right in front of me. Um, he was on his phone. And I don't, he was not there for to watch the movie. No, or he was kind of not what it's not what he was expecting because he sat down. I think with his wife maybe, mm-hmm. but he sat down. He was literally on like Facebook scrolling through <sighs> for about like a minute or like a, two minutes, I'd say. And then put, turned off his phone, watched for like maybe 15 seconds, and got up and left with his wife. And I was like, 
And it was like 20 minutes into the movie. And I was like, what the fuck just happened? Like, I wonder what he's thinking right it's now. It's called The Tragedy of Macbeth. It's yeah. like ninth grade English. Yeah, and you're fucking, it's black and white. What did you think this was going to yeah. be about? And I'm not ecstatic to go see I want to see it, but I'm not, like, going out yeah, my it, way. It's good, like, he could have waited. It's going to be on Apple TV. Like, <laughs> right, just, yeah. Like. You don't have to go to an opening night for that. But anyways, I do, I there's, like, that part of movie going, and then there's parts, like, like I'm gonna go see on Sunday, see Blade Two and thirty five yes, millimeter, yes, 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 and are. that yes. is gonna be amazing. Because mm-hmm. everyone that goes there, like even the the theater we're going to, they're like, like don't give a fuck. Like if you're on your phone, we're gonna kick you out. Like you're you're leaving. Like you don't even have a chance. You know what I mean? They don't even tell you like, hey, please turn off your phone or whatever. Because they have people, you know, like how the old school theaters where they have mm-hmm. people looking out, whatever, whatever. If you're even like on your phone and bring it up, like and you're on it, mm-hmm. there you're like leave, you get out, or like if you're talking, they say get out, and I'm just like that's the theater, and that's why I try to go there as much as I can. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited to go see it because last time I was there, I saw that's when I saw Blade Runner, and oh, dude, amazing. And I talked about it a while ago too, but seeing the seeing the original Blade Runner was amazing. And and I just respect that theater a lot. It's in Tempe. But anyways, let's get onto this list. I'm excited. Are you ready? Yeah. So at wow, I'm really announcing it. At number ten, I have Last Night in Soho. And a lot of people didn't like it or were like disappointed because it was directed by Edgar Wright, mm-hmm. which he was the director of Baby Driver, his most recent um, movie. Which I wasn't a fan of. Yeah. And that, he, that's not Ryan Gosling, is it? No, that's Drive. Oh, yeah. This okay. is Baby Driver. And what is, is, a, is, a dry, is it a driving movie? Yeah. It's like car chases and shit. I haven't seen it in a really long time, actually. But he also made like Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Oh, okay. Shaun well, of the Dead, Hot I, Fuzz. Oh, so, oh, yeah. I can see why you. Okay. Baby Pilgrim. Why did I put Baby Pilgrim? <laughs> I don't know why it did that. But obviously, like, before this movie came out, and maybe even still, like, my favorite Edgar Wright movie is definitely Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Yeah, easily. Oh, Jamie Foxx was in this movie. But I saw Last Night in Soho, like I said, an early access screening of it, and probably, like, one of the best stylized horror movies I've seen in a super long time. Like, it was definitely a big homage to, like, 60s, like, horror movies whether like 60s italian giallo movies or even like some hints of um hitchcock in it Mm -hmm. and just i don't know it's just everything about it i'll just say i was thoroughly entertained the entire time i was watching it and it it was so good because uh i think the movie how long does it say it is i can't see how long it is but anyways it's like maybe i'd say like two hours long but 45 minutes in 117 minutes under two hours yeah sorry hour 57 mm-hmm. but um i'd say like thir- like 45 minutes in it's so good you're like oh this is a really good movie so mm-hmm. far and then it hits you like oh shit this is gonna start getting scary like you forget it's a horror movie for like 45 minutes and then once it starts like you start getting those vibes you're like, oh shit, it's about to start start getting scary. And I don't like getting scared. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love horror movies, but I also hate getting scared. You know what I mean? She's a great horror actress. Anya Taylor Joy. Yeah. 
Yeah, she's she's great. She's a great actress. Yeah, for sure. But like when it comes to like those like The Witch, mm-hmm. uh, Glass, obvious. Not yeah, was it? Split. No, not Glass. Not Glass. Split. She yeah. was so good in Split. I say that's when I that's when my ears were like ping. I was like, who's this chick? I was like, she's playing the yeah. fuck out of this role. Yeah, she's amazing. Yes, she's really good. She's in Queen's gonna, Gambit. Really yeah. good in Queen's Gambit. That was like probably the only series I watched during the pandemic. To be yeah. honest, but. Last Night in Soho, it's great because I forgot it was a horror movie. And then once like it started giving those hints out, I was like, oh shit, it's about to start getting scary. Like I it was like just a perfect like setup and execution. Everything was perfect. I loved it. Mm-hmm. But at number nine, I have the card counter starring Oscar Isaac. Paul Schrader directed it, wrote and directed it. And Paul Schrader, if you don't know who he is, he's probably one of the greats in movies like he's just a legend by now like if there was a hall of fame he would definitely be in it like next to martin scorsese because mm-hmm. he literally wrote taxi driver the greatest movie ever <laughs> like the greatest movie of all time is taxi driver there's no way around it and this man wrote it and also there is hints of taxi driver in a lot of paul schrader's own directed movies like first reformed with ethan hawk and even in the card counter because it's just about the a guy who's live he's a loner, you know what I mean, and mm-hmm. he he's seeing the dark sides of the world, and more specifically with the card counter, he was the he Oscar Isaac plays a dude that was used to be in the military, and he was involved with like the Abu Ghraib like torturing and all that, and mm-hmm. like the taking pictures and all that, and he was one of them, and he's a war criminal, basically, yeah, and he served his time and for like I think he served like. 10 years or 15 years or maybe longer i forgot how i think 20 years maybe but uh yeah, he's, colonel he definitely did uh he served a long ass time oh no he did he in a military prison and then he uh goes on to playing in casinos and he sticks to low modest goals and he doesn't like win millions of dollars he just sticks to like enough to you know pay for this hotel yeah. mm-hmm. buy me a, a car and i'll pay cash only like he, there's even a like parts of the movies where he arrives in a hotel and he like wraps everything in like sheets and like ropes it around. And so there's like literally no trace of him anywhere. Like it's impossible. And then uh, that dude from, from ready player one, the main guy, the main kid guy. Yeah. Yes. He's in it. And um, his name is Ty Sheridan. Yes. And he's in it. And he kind of plays like this kid where his dad was with Oscar Isaac's character uh, in the whole torturing and all that. Yeah, he's a young Cyclops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he's basically trying to get revenge on the dude that kind of... Willem Dafoe has like a small part in it, but he was the guy that was in charge of Oscar Isaac's character. And so he... Basically, Ty Sheridan is trying to help get Oscar Isaac to help him get revenge on Willem Dafoe to like kill him, basically. And it, it's a great fucking movie... And I talked about it uh, um, one of the other episodes with Menda about how I just love there's just something about slow movies and just because they're so intricate and so precise mm-hmm. and kind of just peeling back layers of like mastery, I guess, especially with like this kind of movie. I like those kind of movies. And now you see me those types. Mm-hmm. Of, it yeah. was just like slow, like. And for this one, it's kind of, it's more of like you're like falling, I guess. Like you're kind of just falling into this guy's like psyche, I guess. Like seeing how 
I, and, and I guess the fact that it was shot during the pandemic mm-hmm. helped because it seems like outside of the loca- the locations they're at, there's nothing else that exists. It seems like it's just where they're at. Nothing's even happening, but it seems like that's all that's happening in the world. So the card counter, I I just, I've looked forward to it ever since I even knew it was coming out. And I was one of the first people to be in there at the theater. I thought it was the only one, but like I said, there was older people there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this movie was, I fucking loved it. And Martin Scorsese also executive produced it. So he definitely, there's definitely fingerprints of Martin Scorsese on this movie. So it's just, it's so good. But I will say for the people who haven't watched it, like you have to, it just takes patience. Like there's movies like this that just take a lot of patience to watch. And there's just something, like I said, there's only just something about slow movies that you have to one, just prep for it mentally. If you don't, if you're not like used to it, but then there's another thing of like, you have to understand why it's slow is because like literally that's what a camera is. And that's like Akira Kurosawa, the Japanese director. He he literally says, I'm telling, I'm like telling you what to do. And that's like the beauty of filmmaking. He's like telling you how long to look at something. He's telling you how long to listen to something. He's telling you where to be. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what movies like that are. So that's just what, that's what movies are. And this, the card counter is definitely an example of that. So on to number eight, I have. I have the Red Rocket, or just Red Rocket, at number eight, which definitely surprised me of it going over the card counter. Yeah. But Red Rocket, in the beginning, I already knew that this was going to be, like, one of my favorites of the year because, one, Bye Bye Bye, as the intro song. Yeah. Was just, I've, there's nothing like, like, you can tell this is a modern movie. Like, this is a a master filmmaker like Sean Baker proving that like, this is modern cinema. This isn't like paying homage to any like old directors or anything. Like he's doing his own thing, even though he has such inspiration from Mm -hmm. like French new wave films or Italian neorealism films. Like even when you watch red rocket, you see these like, even like shots that are resembling, you know, French new wave movies. And that's what, like if you watch the Florida project and then you watch, Francois Truffaut's The 400 Blows, that's the same concept. Like, they both have to deal with little kids. And even the Mm -hmm. last scene to both movies, a little kid is running away. That's the same inspiration, I guess. But so with Red Rocket, you look at this guy that Simon Rex plays. He's, like, basically a scumbag, in which he is. And... Mm -hmm the opening scenes there's these really long takes of these conversations that just look amazing and there's in the the screen is so wide it it just looks amazing and so like when you see these long takes of these conversations you're just like wow i'm just sitting here watching these people it just i don't know there's just something about it that looks so european to me watching right. the watching red rocket and that's really why i ranked it this high at number 8 because there was plenty of movies that came could have replaced it, and uh, but Red Rocket, I every time I like visualize it in my head, I just I love it. And I just know on a rewatch, I'm just gonna enjoy it even more. So, yeah, go see Red Rocket. I don't know when it's gonna come out on streaming or anything, but definitely try to go see it in theaters because it's well worth it seeing it on the big screen. And 
Sean Baker's an independent filmmaker. Yeah, he's really young too. Seventy one. Oh shit. He was born in nineteen seventy one? Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. But um uh, at number seven, I have the Green Knight. Yeah, I still haven't seen that yet. Oh fuck. Remind me to when you drop me off. Yeah, give it to me. To to give it to you because the Green Knight, a lot of people or first of all, a lot of people love this movie. I might just stream it. But there's a certain amount of people that don't like it. Because it's not kind, it's kind of not what they expected. Because it also is a slow movie, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But really, I loved it because it's such a when you think of medieval, and when you think of like this kind of aesthetic and this time, and the the kind of the tropes that play in every single one of these movies or even video games sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like it's just such it's just everything you want in a medieval movie. And that's what I love. And when when I say slow, it's not necessarily slow. It's just it keeps the same pace. There's no like, oh, shit, it's getting intense now. It's just all just one. He's The movie is literally about a knight on a quest. And that's the whole movie. And I I showed this movie so much love after I saw it. Mm-hmm, how I did. And how I really think it's a metaphor about coming of age. It is a coming of age movie. Because... In this movie, it's about basically a becoming a knight is basically becoming a man. Mm-hmm. And every, every civilization has it. And so it's like this guy trying to go on this quest to prove that he is so he can become a knight to prove that he is a man. You know what I mean? And so the Green Knight, it's it's uh, definitely a movie like you can show like, you know, your kids when they're like in their teenage years, especially a man, especially a boy. You got it. This is like a lesson for 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 young men, and that's even me. You know what I mean? Like at twenty one, it's definitely a movie you can learn a lot from, and kind of like the the consequences of of everything you do or don't do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's great. There's like a a flash, almost a dreamlike sequence or a flashback, I guess, of or a flash forward. At the towards the end of the movie, that is just it literally like you're like, holy shit is. And then just it's a flash forward. Yeah, it's like a flash forward slash like a king or something. Yeah, it's crazy. I love those kind of sequences. It's honestly one of the best endings as far as this top 10, probably one of my favorite endings. So the Green Knight for a while was like top three. Yeah, for sure. And for a while, it was number one. Until I saw these other movies, but the Green Knight definitely, definitely a, like a timely, and it's also on Christmas. I should say that too. So it's like cold, and he's going through the forest and doing all this, and it's also parts of it are psychedelic, and it, it's just, it's great. And I, I hope it gets nominated for the uh, at the Oscars for at least like a best adapted screenplay because it is um, an old folk tale. That was adapted into a movie with the Green Knight. I think the original story is called the Green Knight. Yeah, and uh, and to clarify, these are not your Oscar movies, or they are these top ten. Uh, you're assuming not, that most not of these, these ones these... yet. The Green Knight, not best picture, but definitely I hope best adapted screenplay. Yeah. But the thing about the original source is that 
it has no it's basically anonymous no one knows who wrote the original story that's really weird man and so it, i think the original story is actually called sir gawain and the green knight but this oh, is just oh yeah uh gawain or gawain uh it's pronounced different like in the movies people say gawain or gawain or even uh, king arthur in this movie says garwin for some reason that's because they probably back then they didn't have w's you know some people didn't have like w's so when they would see it they'd be like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the green knight i hope gets a a, a nomination for best adapted screenplay because it is great or and another thing i should say about this movie very minimal cgi this is all practical yeah you can see it in the type of it is shots. great even the actual green knight the character yeah is all uh practical and it looks it's just amazing there are parts that are obviously cgi but i i think i remember i read an interview uh, from david lowry that said 95 percent of it is all practical like he even used like the matte paintings like though he just tried to use like old style filmmaking to make this movie like yeah like he uses like paintings as backdrops and stuff so it's just it's just the vibe of it is so true to medieval times and i even feel like now since just you know just how humanity goes uh you painting a backdrop would probably wouldn't take that long nowadays as it not anymore no the type of paint, the type of supplies you have, and like the quick, amount of people yeah. who do paint now, you know. I feel like, yeah, that I think going back to practical would still be even still financially feasible nowadays because yeah. of just how it's changed and evolved over time. It's just as far as like there's just way easier things to do. Because there was see because that's the I think people like, oh CGI. I'm like, man, movies cost money and the less people you have to use they're mm-hmm. going to go that way. That's why CGI became such a huge because it's faster it's and it's less less people. work. I don't. If you met, if a painter messes up, mm-hmm. you have to throw the whole shit away yeah. and then start over. They're again. like do it again and not command not command Z or control Z. Yeah, like if you watch Star Wars, there it's no CGI. That's all practical effects. It's yeah. literally that's why people say it's movie magic because yeah. Star Wars is just insane. It's a miracle that the movie was made. Same thing with Blade Runner, like CGI. Like you gotta re- like, there's a huge like workload from mm-hmm. doing all practical and then all CGI, and that's why it's like when I watch movies like '70s crime movies, or me and my brother were talking about Heat mm-hmm. and how these mm-hmm. people were really crashing trucks, yes, and people were really like flipping, you know, cars and and shooting guns. And I was even um, I was talking to a producer, you know him, the producer that's that I'm about to do work with. Yes, 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 and um. I was I showed him a scene from Heat where uh, there was like a shootout. It's an iconic scene. There was like a bank robbery and there was a shootout and I and I want to make, you know, that's my dream genre is 70s crime. So obviously there's going to be guns in a movie I want to make, but I was like, how did he do this mix? Like how can we get this sound or like set-wise like like is there like a certain budget we have to do or whatever? And I was like, how did Michael Mann the director do this in Heat? And uh, Char- uh, his, I'm not going to say his name, but uh, he was like, that's the real thing. There was no editing. And I was like, oh, fuck, like we can't have real guns or whatever. Yeah, that's <laughs> like a, I remember you were talking about Heat and I know this is a funny movie to bring up, but it's the only one I can think of in recent years that had that level of action was that Chips remake with uh, Jack Shepard and Michael Pena. 
There was, they did a remake to the TV oh, show. Oh, okay, okay, the cops. Yeah. Okay. In that movie, they when I saw Heat, that dynamite they put on the back of the armored truck. Yeah, they do that in Chips. They, they that's like their main mode of operation. They're yeah. like a dude who jumps out of a helicopter. They're crashing helicopters. Yeah. Like old buddy gets decapitated. I was like, all of those were real effects. Like, yeah, it, that's why I think I watched that movie so often. I was like, this movie's funny too. <laughs> When he yeah. trips and get his fucking fucking smashes his face into <laughs> Dak Shepard's dick, yeah, <laughs> it's like that movie's funny, dude. But the the action effects, yeah, were good. Oh, buddy was in it from um, Kingpin. That's the only thing I can think of him now because he's so good in that role. <laughs> but freaking, it's just like certain things. Like just using practical is so. It's so like convincing. It's just it's real to me, and that's why Christopher Nolan is so good. Because he doesn't use CGI, and neither does Quentin Tarantino, like, and neither does Martin Scorsese. Like, it's Mm-mm. all like they just make their movie, and like even with the de aging shit that they use with the the Irishman, like yes. the, originally, um, Martin Scorsese didn't even want to do that because he was just going to use like different actors, but uh, basically someone came to him and was like, hey, we can do this. Like in this way to use do de aging. And basically, Martin Scorsese was like, I don't want to put the dots like on the face and shit or do mm-hmm. the markers or whatever. He's like, I don't want to fuck anything. Up. I just want to make my movie. And so they were like, and so keep in mind, it's also a Netflix movie. So yes. they have money to do anything they want. Right. But um, basically, they shot the movie with like three different cameras. Mm. So the two cameras on the side were digital. Yes. And the one in the middle was the one Martin Scorsese was paying attention to, which was film. So when they edit, the da when they do the de aging shit, they basically blend the picture together, like basically Their like maneuver. Software is like it's insane. The computers they have to be <laughs> using to do that. The only thing I can think of when you're talking, I'm like the hard drive these people must use. Yeah, it's like they and Martin Scorsese was basically like, just don't fuck up my movie. Yeah, and and I was and like, they didn't. They de aged well. They did it perfect, and that's why I was saying like. With now you know Irishman, people are going to do that now. That's going to be yeah. the way they're going to do it. And like it. with the Irishman, that's why I was saying like de-aging has been done before the Irishman, mm-hmm. but not like not like it did in the Irishman. I think the I mean? best de-aging I ever saw was Ant-Man with Michael Douglas. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I think they're finally getting the technology. Yeah, now. that was really good. Or like was, Rogue One yes. with like Princess Leia. Yes. That was insane. Oh my God. You were like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's insane. <laughs> I was like, they're getting it now. They're figuring it but out, But, like, dude. seeing that they were still able to shoot on film mm-hmm. and, like, Martin Scorsese was still able to shoot on film and do de-aging. It was, mm-hmm. it's next level shit. And that's what film Was Rogue One on film? Yeah. Okay, I was about, because that look of it is so distinct. Yeah, it, it's, Rogue One is the best looking Star Wars movie. Yes. Next to Solo. Solo was yeah. great. Thank you. Solo looks amazing. It looks great. I don't give a fuck about the story. I mean, mm-hmm. I do. I really do like the yeah. story. People are like, fuck the story. I'm like, the story's pretty good, man. But mm-hmm. the way it looks, Rogue One and Solo are the best looking mm-hmm. Star Wars, hands down. And so that's the Green Knight for number seven. And so number six, I have The Harder They Fall. And this movie, mm-hmm, we had mm-hmm, a whole episode mm-hmm. on this movie. Yeah, we did. And the harder they fall, what it does to Westerns is the same thing the Green Knight did to Medieval. Like, it's just, the harder they fall is such a huge homage to Spaghetti Westerns. But at the same time, pushes the genre. 
Like it, it just made it so cool and like action packed again. You know what I mean? And it made it like the original like Sergio Leone movies. That's what I was trying to say from Chips. I can't even think of his name. Oh, he looks super familiar. Vincent D'Onofrio. D'Onofrio. Vincent D'Onofrio. He's Gomer Powell. Oh, he was in fucking full. He was the guy who shot himself in Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. Dude, that's such an intense fucking scene. He I, is such a good actor. That's an insane scene. He he plays Jacket. the Daredevil role in the uh, Netflix. Oh, he plays Kingpin in the Daredevil. Oh, that's great. That's great casting. And he plays, like, he's actually, they he's one of, like, the top characters that they've used as a uh, spokesperson for autism people in TV. Mm-hmm. Because in the the show, he plays Kingpin so, like, awkward. Mm-hmm. It's so, like, oh, you gotta, his, his he was role also in alone. Mystic, he was in Mystic Pizza, too. Yeah, he was, yeah. He's in so many movies. Mystic Pizza is so good. I don't give a fuck if it's, this like. this dude's track record. I don't give a fuck about like what anybody thinks about rom coms, but like Mystic Pizza is one of the best movies to just throw on and get really high to. Like Mystic Pizza is so good. There he is, man. And also Julia Roberts is um like Bad. just beautiful in Mystic Pizza. Her big curly hair, amazing. Mystic Pizza is probably my favorite Julia Roberts movie. Dude, Vincent D'Onofrio has been in some. He was great in Brooklyn's Finest. He hasn't stopped working. Probably Countryman, Death Wish, The Sale. You did you oh, ever watch? He was the bat. He was the cuckoo guy in The Sale. I haven't seen that. Oh my goodness! Is that J Lo? Yeah, man. That's one of J Lo's best roles. Is The, the Sale. Eyes of Tammy Faye is another movie that I really wanted to see, but I didn't. I never. Where you saw see it. that at? It's above The Cell. Oh, okay. I just, oh, this right here. Okay, you yeah. knew that from the cover art. I can't even read those words. <laughs> The Magnificent Seven, he was in that. He was in your movie, Ed Wood. I don't remember him. See? That's why I was like, I like, I know, because you always see him, but he does not I get the shine. I only remember him from Full Metal Jacket. And he does Pizza. not get the shine. But everybody knows Gomer Pop. Most people don't know the movie <laughs> after that scene. Mm-hmm. Most people completely. Yeah, it literally turns the, into a war a movie. War, <laughs> yeah. People think it's a basic, they're like the basic training movie. I'm like, no. Because that's a, the best part. It's like the first <laughs> half of the movie. Yeah, after that, you're like, kind of, what's going on, dude? But go ahead. I'm sorry. I, uh, wanted, to, I wanted to give Vincent D'Onofrio his, his shout out because he can act his ass off. Yeah, for sure. Shout and he was in Law and Order for a while, I think. Probably. It seems like it. Seems like something he would do. Yeah. But The Harder They Fall, just an amazing Western. Jonathan Majors, like, that proved to He's me. He's a 2021 star, dude. Probably bet like top three performances from a man because, oh my God. And everybody in the movie, like it's star studded, beautifully, like beautifully shot and directed mm-hmm. because no other, like the way this movie feels, it can be no other way because it's such like, I always think of like Red Dead Redemption and how like, how much that, you know, pays homage to spaghetti westerns but this mm-hmm. is like literally like a movie version of that like it feels so fun to watch yes and it's such a just such a great story and how they use like a fictional story but use like real people mm-hmm. like people that were actually doing shit and it's like when people watch like spaghetti westerns like there's a lot of people that are real but like a lot of obviously there's like some american westerns that just switch out 
the the per, a person that was black and put him as a white person yeah. playing mm-hmm. that per, real person. But when you watch like, you know, the Sergio Sergio Leone, you know, Dollars trilogy, like that shit is just masterful. And this is literally the closest thing to that when you watch like the original Django or even Django Unchained, like just stylistically, it just it's it's amazing. I I don't even know I. Go listen to our "The Harder They Fall" episode, yeah. so you can get a better explanation of it. But "The Harder They Fall" is just, just so well, and it's like for everybody. You know what I mean? Like, you you don't have to be like a huge cinephile to like really appreciate it. Like, you can just watch it, and you'll be like, "Oh my god, that is so cool!" Like, it just looks so cool. But for for me, I'd say number one in cinematography throughout this whole top ten list, this is the best cinematography for sure. So the harder mm-hmm. they fall, that's number six. Because the difficulty of shooting an all black cast is, uh, it's super fucking difficult. Every shade of black, and too. it was shot on like old Panavision, you know, lenses. Like it was shot on the old cameras that they used to shoot, like the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Mm, like that's they, why it looked gave it that look. Yeah, and they and all the title cards of all the towns and the people's names and and even oh my, in the opening scene, I'd say like the opening fifteen minutes of this movie are just so fucking good. And it's like, it's just <laughs> almost like, I don't know. It's just candy to me, bro. Like, you'll just fucking, I just fall in love with it every time I see it. This guy, so, because the, the Bullets directed this, and he's a music producer. Yeah, he's, that's Seal's brother. So he's really good at music. Yeah, and he's best friends with Jay Electronica. Which, and then you make a movie like that. So this means that that's he, why Jay Z produced this. It. Then he must have seen this in his like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wrote this movie fifteen years ago. Oh, okay, that makes sense. So he he knew which camera he was going to use. Yeah, he already and knew he's all a this. cinephile. You know? okay. okay, like he he's like. I mean, this movie is evident that mm-hmm. he's a cinephile, right? Because I'm like looking up his credits. I'm like, he's only done two movies and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a Netflix. I yeah, mean, that was the other one's a short film. Is just amazing. That other movie in his credits was his probably his short mo- her short film, mm-hmm. which was based basically the original to the Heart of They Fall. Which is funny because while he was shooting that short film, was he was shooting it at the same time and same location as Django Unchained. Oh shit! Which is crazy, and so like that's kind of means that it was destined, like the Heart of They Fall was destined to be a great movie because if you if James Samuel has the same vision as Django Unchained. Like, mm-hmm. That means you're going to make a great movie. I'm so, his name is James. Yeah, I was I, calling I was him James. Calling, I was calling him Jaime <laughs> because I, and I fucking live in Arizona. I was like, hey, man, like, who is that? But yeah, that's Seal's brother who's best friends with Jay Electronica, and that's how he got Jay-Z to produce the movie. Yeah, it's a great thing. I like those kind of like when you tell me about um, Saturday Night Fever. Mm-hmm. How that was his first film is just like you shouldn't be that good. Oh, that Boogie early. Nights. Boogie Nights. Sorry, yeah, yeah Boogie Nights. It's like you shouldn't be that good. He don't even get me started with Boogie Nights. You shouldn't be. You shouldn't. He's twenty five years old. When people say young in Hollywood, they're talking about thirty five year olds yeah. or forty year olds. Yeah, That's forty young. is young. Like people will say, oh, he's just starting out. He's thirty five. Like the Safdie brothers, they're like thirty eight, thirty nine. Yeah, that's too. You're and too they good. were young as fuck. But this guy is twenty five. Paul Thomas Anderson was 25 making Boogie Nights. And he didn't have a brother. Like, that's, that, even though we like to, like, as much as that's great, you still have a second brain to offload some of mm-hmm. that stuff. 
to do it by yourself it's is, insane that's, it's it's so crazy there's very few geniuses like that exist and that's why paul thomas anderson i'm going to talk about him more on this list with licorice pizza but paul thomas anderson is one of the greatest not only working directors right now but he's definitely going down in history as just one of the best like mm-hmm. he made there will be blood like that's your automatic like mm-hmm. but anyways that's number six the harder they fall great fucking movie go listen to the other episode i can't think of it off the top of my head but there's another episode called the harder they fall um and we just go super all three of us me menda and rob all go super in depth about the harder they fall because that's how much we all loved it it was great so at number five i have nightmare alley the gdt long awaited it's been like four years since he dropped a movie which feels like a super long time or it's felt like a super long time but it's really not you know what i mean Mm mm-hmm I mean, some directors do like every other year or every three years, but for this long ass four years since The Shape of Water, it just seemed like, and also we went through a pandemic, but yes. this just seemed like forever since he's dropped a movie. Mm-hmm. But Nightmare Alley, finally, I got to see it, and um, I have I wasn't able to see it again. I really wanted to rewatch it, but um, it was between that and Licorice Pizza, so I just went to go see Licorice Pizza because I loved it way more off first watch. But Nightmare Alley comes at number number five because it is just so well acted. I'll say I didn't what I not that I didn't like it, but I, what I felt didn't really fit was um, the same cinematography style as The Shape of Water. Like it still looked amazing. Mm-hmm. Like it's still that's still a hard, difficult thing to do to make it look that way. But I feel like. It could have had a different like style to it, you know what I mean. But that doesn't mean that Bradley Cooper didn't give off one of the best performances he's ever had, because I don't know, just people who are just complete just scumbags. Yeah. You know what I mean, and and he's just manipulative and a narcissist, and he's just so good, but also a hustler. You know yeah. what I mean. He's also trying to climb his way up the rankings, you know, in this scene that he's in, but. Bradley Cooper gives off an amazing performance. And also, like I was saying, like if you were to tell me that this is like a remastered version of a 1940s movie, I would believe you mm-hmm. because this look like if you watch it, it just looks like that. Like it's so true to its time. And it's cause it's like depression era, like early, yeah. late thirties. And it's just, it looks amazing. And it's a great story. Like I've seen the original and that's kind of the reason why it's so low at number five. Mm-hmm. But if I had no idea what the original was or didn't know it was from a book, then I would have loved this movie way more. Mm-hmm. But what I do love, and this is, I say this about remakes all the time, is that he made it his own. And that's the most important part of remaking something. Is like you could, like, compared from the original to GDT's, GDT really made it his. Like, he definitely chose like an element that was in the original or in the book. And really, like, just went all out on that. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's like, a... It's not even a part of the movie, but there's just, like, a thing in the movie where it's, like, there's, like, a baby, like, a... It looks like a fetus, almost, mm-hmm. in, a like, a jar. Like, for something out of Pacific Rim. Yes. And he really... There's, like, a real focus on that in some parts of the movies. And you really, like... It's just... You see this emphasis on it, and you get the GDT, like, vibes from it. And you're like, oh, this is definitely his movie and not just some you know, recycling of a, mm-hmm. of a book mm-hmm. or an old movie. But 
Nightmare Alley is so good. Everybody killed it in this movie. I, I should say that. And uh, I don't know. There's just some parts of the movie that are so just fucking gut-wrenching. And you're just like, God damn. Like, there's just so... Not intense, but it's just so fucking... It's just powerful. You know what I mean? And right. And that's why I say it's well-directed and well-acted. Because it's just perfect. And I feel like more people need to see this. And I don't know. I'm definitely going to be watching this a lot whenever it comes out on a Blu-ray. Like, this, this will probably go down as one of my favorites of uh, GDTs. Because... Uh, honestly, I, I talk shit about Mimic a lot, but it is good. But I do want to rewatch it. Because my last time rewatching it, I was just like, oh, he's just being... Like, GDT is just so self-indulgent. Like, he's just <laughs> like, I'm going to go all out on this gross, nasty shit. But I want to go back, after seeing Nightmare Alley, to really see... And even from Kronos. Like, if you've seen Kronos, and you've seen Pan's Labyrinth, and you've seen fucking... Hellboy, even like you'll see those fingerprints on Nightmare Alley, and it's so good. Yeah, like him l- licking blood off of the bathroom floor. It's Ugh, a, it's that was disgusting. there's like like the the vibe of that almost comes bleeds into this like no I pun mean, intended. Yeah, but it's like you kind of like I guess if you a good way to watch Nightmare Alley is watch Kronos right before because it's almost like when you watch Kronos and then watch Nightmare Alley. You see that that's this is what he's been trying to go for the entire his entire career. It's almost as if Nightmare Alley is what he's been trying to make his whole career, and that's how that's why I say it's probably one of my favorite yeah. GDTs. He finally got the budget he wanted. Yeah, I mean I'm sure he got a budget for Blade too, also. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm so glad um, that he makes the movies he does because no one else will. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think he literally said that one time. I think he said. If it wasn't for me, there would be there would never be a Hellboy movie, and, ever. And and he was like, there would be a Blade too, but there wouldn't be a Hellboy movie, because Hellboy. I didn't know nobody shit. could get across. Nobody <laughs> could get that across without him. And so that and Ron Perlman just mm-hmm. absolutely annihilated that role. It's like he knew though. It's almost as if they became friends early on for Hellboy to be made. Mm-hmm. But that was easily them two as a team was definitely like their smash hit. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, these two belong to, and then Pacific Rim after that was probably mm-hmm. bigger. And than, even in Chrono, like, yeah, Chrono's for sure. Yeah, like, what was uh, on Hell was that his name? Uh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. because his terrible Spanish. <laughs> yeah, his. Ter- I think that's the funniest part. It's of great, but it's it's terrible Spanish only because it's an American accent. Yeah, he's speaking. Yeah, he's fluent speaking, Spanish. Yeah, he's pre- speaking regular Spanish, but it's just the fact that he's not like he's trying Perlman Spanish. Yeah. Right? He's like, he's like just saying shit like in Ron Perlman voice. <laughs> but like, I want to say Ron Perlman, like there was like a, interv- or GDT was actually on Mark Marin, Uh And fuck, I think Ron Perlman gave GDT the book, the Nightmare Alley book, like mm-hmm. 20 years ago or some shit like that. And he was like, I want to play the, he- Ron Perlman is in Nightmare Alley, but Ron Perlman was like, I want to play Bradley Cooper, what Bradley Cooper ended up playing, the main did. character. Mm-hmm. And then uh, GDT like read it. So then this was like twenty years ago, which is crazy to me. And so he was just like, "I want to make Nightmare Alley." And then, you know, you see, you know, the story obviously evolved to what it is now, and it's everything came out perfectly. I think Nightmare Alley is, like I said, one of GDT's best movies. So definitely glad I got to see it this year and put it in my top five. I mean, yeah, top five at number five. 
but definitely at least top 10 for anybody else who sees it i feel like because it is a great movie and definitely got overshadowed came uh came out the same day as spider-man oh yeah definitely got overshadowed oh that's rough <laughs> Yeah, they ju- I just saw the ad on Letterboxd right now. It was like, yeah, Spider-Man has made like $1.2 in the yeah, pandemic. Insane. So <laughs> And so, like, I mean, we are part of that, you know. Obviously, yeah. But um, I saw Nightmare Alley before I saw Sp- I made sure to see Nightmare Alley before yeah. I saw Spider-Man. The cinephile and you couldn't let it go. Yeah, I was like, I'm not just going to be completely take it. Let anything else take over Nightmare Alley for me because I've been looking for I thought I actually thought Nightmare Alley was going to come out in November, but I th- it might have gotten pushed back. If I look into it, I think it did get pushed back. But that's number five, Nightmare Alley. Number four is Dune. Ooh, yeah. Number four is Dune and that, oh, dude. Again, I forget that that I saw that this year. (laughs) That movie, oh, my God. So good. That is Denis Villeneuve's probably his best movie, maybe. His, definitely his best movie. I won't like say like, oh, it's my favorite outright, but definitely his best as far as mastery and just scope, like just as scale wise. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. This I'm about is to say. probably the biggest movie I've ever seen, ever. And does it? I mean, let alone the fact that we saw it on like a fucking eight story screen. Yeah, but like we saw that in Tempe. Or did we see that in Desert Ridge? I saw it at Desert Ridge, actually. We saw it in Desert. I like Desert Ridge's IMAX more. Mm-hmm. I think Tempe's is too overwhelming, big. dude. It's I, dude, I couldn't big. imagine seeing Dune in Tempe. No, that, that be... was too big. I was like, because I, I that's what used to make me think that IMAX meant big screen. I was like, oh no, it's a type of camera. Yeah, we went to go see Spider Man in Desert Ridge, and we were like. I was like, oh, I kind of like it better on this screen. Mm-hmm. It's just the, of course, the, the, ratio. the aspect ratio makes it's it way, tighter. Yeah. So it's just, it looks so clean. You just so have so clean. much more room. It looks so clean. And so and that's why. The depth why, of it is crazy. Like doing the the mixture of of CGI and practical is seamless. It's insane. Like you can't even tell almost. Like that sand pit monster, like you're like, that shit is real. Like that is a real Thing. And also, it's like fucking Star Wars fans eat your heart out. Yeah, that shit is Dune amazing. is the next big thing for sure. Like, it's amazing. I already can't wait for Dune. I want part a Dune two. T-shirt right now. Yeah. I wish like I could find a cool like everybody Dune poster. worked. There. They played the fuck the creepy fat guy. What's his name? Who was what was his fucking the uh, Harkonnen? Yeah, I forgot his first. His like something Harkonnen. I want to say it's the Skarsgård. The uncle. One of the Skarsgård brothers? Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. Or is he their dad? Stellan Skarsgård. Is he a part of that? The Skarsgård uh, guard, as we call them? <laughs> the guard? Yeah. <laughs> but Because uh, you just, Nate has just informed me, everyone, you probably know more than just one Skarsgård. You just didn't like know they were related. There's like four of them that are on top of the world. Right yeah, now. they're like all A-list actors, for sure. I forget all the first names. I always just say Skarsgård brothers. <laughs> or <laughs> he's sure. one of them. Just Google the Scars Guard brother. You'd be like, yeah, I know those motherfuckers. Like, yeah, you do know. But them. I love Harkonnen, uh, Baron Harkonnen or whatever. Uh, he's actually my favorite character in it. One of my favorite characters in the movie. Because there was a huge resemblance of uh, Marlon Brando. Like, Marlon Brando in uh, Apocalypse Now. Same, like, just absolute, like, yeah. He is their dad. The Scars Guards. Insane. The Scars Guardians. That's what he, he's Scars their, Guardians. <laughs> he's their fucking dad. It's insane, bro. That's, yeah. so that, that's why they all act so well, because your fucking dad 
is a great actor. Yeah, insane. It's insane, dude. And Goodwill Hunting. Uh, this is Stellan Skarsgård. This is uh oh yeah, he Alexander Skarsgård's dad from yeah. Thor. He's a, he, so he was in all the Avengers basically. Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Pirates of the Caribbean. He was a uh, Chernobyl. Oh man, he was in Chernobyl. Oh shit, he was in. I never seen Ronin. I really want to watch it though. So yeah, that's why the, that's why Alexander Skarsgård and his brothers are amazing because their dad is is he an Oscar winner? He sh- I don't think he is, but he should be though. He definitely yeah. deserves it because he has the talent. I mean, all of them do. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, Dune Part Two. I'm fucking hyped for mm-hmm. 2023. He's gonna be in it too. Yeah, that's gonna be sick. I remember there being like rumors, like they haven't announced a Dune Part Two. When it's like, do you really think there's not gonna be a Part Two? The way that it ended means it's already been shot. Essentially, like, like, do you think they would come out and be like? Oh yeah, I couldn't get the funding. <laughs> like dude, <laughs> we killed it at the box office, but we're not going to do it anymore. Like Dune Part 2 was always going to come out. That was the plan. And so, but yeah, Dune amazing just Denis Villeneuve again like pushing the fucking boundaries of filmmaking. Like literally like Letterbox picks amazing shots. <laughs> they <laughs> they know how to get you to watch a movie. And it, it's just Dune is one of the best. I take it over Spider Man. Obviously, Spider Man is not in my. I'll top take it 10. over. I'll take it over Spider Man for sure. Because it's a. It's, I'm being for see when I any Marvel movie is gonna always be my top. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to just like movies, Dune is like I think I kind of forgot about it because I'm like, oh yeah, that's the only movie I need to see for the year. I'm good. Like it was so good. I don't mm-hmm. think any other movie I've seen has given me like I'm glad I went to go see this in movie theaters. Liquorice mm-hmm. Peach, I could have waited. I'm glad mm-hmm. I went to go see it. Yeah. But I could have watched it at home. Yeah. This is a must watch. <laughs> yeah. This you at had the theaters. To see it. Must yeah. watch. And the sound, the music. And after watching this, there's before there was only one person I believe that that I believe in that could make remake two thousand one. Not that it should be remade, but to remake two thousand one a space odyssey, there's a French director that I mention pretty often named Gaspar Noé. Mm-hmm. I believe he's able to remake it, but after seeing Dune, I think Denis Villeneuve could definitely remake two thousand one. And then people even tease him about it. I remember hearing a couple of interviews like, "What do you think about remaking two thousand one?" He's like, "I don't know." He's <laughs> like, like I, don't uh, know. "I don't know if I can because that." If anyone shot for shot, that movie is hands down one of the best space movies ever. It's ever. The, it is number one as far as if you break it down to only sci-fi, that's number one. Oh yeah, because there's no movies without it after that. As far as like, but a, just cinema, and I think of it as just the time it came out. I'm like, even though shots back then were, because that shit is almost the Bible to me, dude. Because that's like it's so existential and it's, the sound. It's insane, and the whole Stargate scene was mm-hmm. absolutely like it was beautiful. The fucking the ape scene was an is that the scene? The no, the Stargate one where he goes through all the yes, lights. Yes, and, yes. Oh my yes. god, dude! Like that's why I wish I was in my twenties. What was and, it? Pal two thousand. How? Well, it was. Did it have a number? Six thousand. How nine thousand? Yeah. How nine thousand? It, dude, it was so. And when it's singing that song, when it's being shut, let's not talk about 2001 Space Odyssey. But Dune, I believe Denis Villeneuve is up there with, uh, just as pushing the the boundaries of of being able what a movie is. Like even if you watch fucking Blade Runner 2049, you're just like, holy shit. At least I am. I'm just like, oh my god. 
This for, movie yeah. is insane. It's one big uh poster fest. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely it's that's a masturbation movie for sure, but it's also a really good movie. Mm-hmm. But the shots in it are very self-serving. Mm-hmm. Very self-serving shots in Blade Runner 2049. You're mm-hmm. like, "Okay, dude, we get it. You and, have a nice camera <laughs> and a great eye. We get it." And I think and that's also huge uh salute to Roger Deakins, the greatest director of photography ever. Oh yeah, I'll give you that. I don't know why I know that that's true, but I know you told me movies he's made. And I'm like, okay, yeah. dude. Roger Deakins has done everything, everything. Like if you name it, he's probably done it. And actually, Roger Deakins, this is he won his first Oscar off of Blade Runner 2049, which is um, in, insane that that's a thing. Because all right, I'll name you some movies that he did. He did 1917, the one that was the all one shot. Mm-hmm. Uh. He did the Shawshank Redemption, mm. No Country for Old Men, mm. The Big Lebowski, Oh yeah, that's Fargo, it. Sky, Fargo, yeah, Skyfall, James Bond. Yes, he shot Oh Brother Where Art Thou. He did Rango, the the Chameleon movie. Yeah, I don't even know how. Were great movies in uh, Jarhead. Cannot can he did cinema cinematography and animation, like some of the video that's games. Some next I've level been, shit. Yeah, some of the video games I've been playing. I'm like. That's a really good shot for you to put inside of a fucking video game. He also dude. did Prisoners, Jake Gyll- another Denis Villeneuve. Yeah, it's fucking yeah. That guy's yeah. Okay, I get He's it. He's the goat. Yeah, for sure. He also did In Time with JT. Underrated movie. That's popular within us. You know, our family. People That's- who say that movie sucks, I want to just beat the shit out of you. Mm-hmm. I if I you ever- talking about concept movies. <laughs> I'm gonna make a a promise on the podcast right now to you. And to my family because of how much that movie matters. If I ever get the opportunity to remake that movie, I'm going to do it with Justin Timberlake. You have to do it with Justin Timberlake. Make him the dad this time. <laughs> the rich dad. But give him the de-aging. Give him the daughters and the... Dude, that'd be sick. See? This is why we're going to win an Oscar one day. Calling it right now. The fucking... The beeper thing... The beaver thing. Who would thing? ever think of God that? God damn it. How could you think that's a bad idea in any movie? That's perfect. And paying like for coffee. Like, you know what I mean? I almost started crying just now thinking about the scene with his mom. I got a tear welling Insane. up in the bottom of my eye right Insane now. Insane scene. That's a crazy scene. But yeah, Dune, best sci-fi movie in Even all Even when long. you got all the time in the world, you can't say your mama. Yeah. Ugh. All right, next. What's next? Uh, number three. <laughs> number three, I have Tragedy of Macbeth. Oh, that's your number three? Yeah. Which I was expecting. You know, I built it up. You know oh, I mean? my God. Have you? I think you started talking about it at the beginning of 2021. So let me say this is not a thing to prep for. Like, I tried watching Coen Brothers movies to like prep for it. Even Ingmar Berg movie, there's no movie you could watch as far as, like this isn't a Coen Brothers movie at all. Because usually all Coen Brothers movies have like a similar like tone or whatever. Even if it's not the same tone, you still feel that like sense of humor. Mm -hmm. But this is not one of them. This is a crazy fucking movie that looks amazing. But let me tell you that Denzel is the greatest. Oh my God. He can fucking deliver a performance. Like, no other, dude. Like, those monologue, like those iconic monologues that everybody knows, like, the, is this a dagger I see here before me? Like, that scene is 
just like the way Denzel talks, you know, like even like if he's giving like an Oscar speech or whatever, if he's in an interview, like, you know, the way he talks kind of just hits you and you're mm-hmm. like, damn, this dude can talk like he mm-hmm. knows how to publicly speak. Mm-hmm. It's like that in this movie. But like as Macbeth and like it is uh, spoken in like old English, you know, Shakespearean language. Yes. But that's his that's his background. And it's all and it's you can fucking tell. I think he's probably done a Broadway production of he Macbeth. He had to. I'm pretty sure he has. He's probably done Macbeth before. And that's probably why it's so good. It's because all these cast members have probably done Macbeth a million yeah. times. It's before. like drama 101, ain't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's reading. That's fucking literature 101. Yeah, very true. But Francis McDormand. I didn't read it, but I, it is. We did have to, like, we were supposed to read it. I just <laughs> never did. But, like, if you are a fan of Shakespearean, you know, literature or even a fan of Denzel and you want to see a great performance. It's just, it's masterful. There's no like better, like way to execute. This was probably one of my favorite, like Shakespearean movies, because like, if you watch Akira Kurosawa's like throne of blood, like samurai twist to it, that was really good. Because even like tragedy, uh, this new tragedy of Macbeth pays homage to Throne of Blood in a way, because of like kind of the mysticism of it. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? Like the, mm-hmm. like the sm- like everything's smoky and foggy, and you know, a direct homage to it is definitely one actor playing all three witches is great to me. Like I thought that was genius to be honest, and even the visuals of the witch in this new one is. Insane, because in Throne of Blood, it was just one person. There was no, like, one person playing three people. It was in this one, it was one lady, and you can kind of see, like, reflections in the water. And there's three, like, you can see her reflection, but also two right next to her. It's it's just, like, so, like, eerie and Mm kind of, like, I don't know. And the choice of black and white is literally perfect. And um, I don't know. There's just... Everything I need to get a better way to explain all these thoughts, but Tragedy of Macbeth definitely lived up to what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I'll say, mm-hmm. but it's just it's such a beautiful piece of work. And this is definitely going to be I don't want to say definitely, it'll probably be nominated for Best Picture because all the because like I like you just mentioned, it's like a literature staple, so mm-hmm. any literally anybody. You that know. touches that that sees this it was like oh i remember yeah. doing this in seventh grade it's why i'm into movies now or... yeah when it's backed by one of the cohen brothers who's won an oscar before and it's starring denzel who's won an oscar before and starring francis mcdormand who's won an oscar before like these people have all been here before. and they vote when you when you win one you get to vote and so, so it's like this is this has to have a say in something like it has to be at least nominated i feel like because oh, it's sure. an absolute piece of art and it's one of the only movies that I've seen this year that is a true piece of art. You know what I mean? And so go, I wait till it comes out. I don't know when this episode will come out exactly, but it should already be out on Apple TV. I feel like if not, it's about to, because I think January 14th is when it comes out on Apple TV. Mm-hmm. This probably will be out. But anyways, that's tragedy of Macbeth. I completely understated everything I feel about it. It's all I can say is that it was just amazing. I'm definitely going to watch it a million times on Apple TV. Mm-hmm. But it's great. i only seen it once, and I already feel like it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. But that's number three. Number two, 
Oh, fuck. I'm scared. Number two is Teton. What? Yeah. You said you literally just said last week that <laughs> I keep saying literally. You just said last week that it's the best. Yeah. It's your number one. And it's hard. It's almost one B, I'd say. But I if I had to choose and rank it, it's number two. So Give us number one then. Hold on. <laughs> number two is Teton. It's a a body horror movie and it's very it's one it's a french movie i should say for any nobody's ever heard of it before but it's like a mix of like david cronenberg like his movie like the fly in a way or or like videodrome like i'm literally wearing a videodrome shirt right now mm-hmm. but um uh what are other like crash and shit like just especially crash cuz it has to do with a fucking car but titan is it's a horror. It's the only horror movie I've ever seen that actually like touched your emotions, and you're like, "Oh my god, this is like, a like trying to give out something." And multiple, like I've heard other people's reviews that talks about like it's about self identity and even gender mm-hmm. identity. And I was like, "Wow, like it's touching on so many like bases." And it's literally a fucking horror movie. Yeah. And and how almost like literally how soft it is at some moments. And like the it's this, in the same movie you're able to be like like close your you don't want to look at the screen at all and you're almost going to throw up but five minutes later you're going to be like oh you know what i mean you're going to be like that was fucking sweet you know what i mean like there's a a scene where because the dad in the in the movie is or the fake dad i guess is a um and that's not a spoiler but uh the fake dad is a firefighter and like at the station or whatever they have like a dance like a party or whatever like a dance party and they play music and um, there's like a, a music cue between this band that I really like called um, Future Islands. And there's a song called Lighthouse. And it's so good. Like, it's just the perfect, like, blend of everything in filmmaking. It's, it's just so good. Titan is perfect. And I don't think it's going to get any recognition from the Oscars at all. As far as, like, international best picture, I don't think it's going to be even nominated. Because it's horror. And that's what I hate about the Oscars is that they don't include horror movies when they fucking should. But I guess the only time they ever include horror was fucking Get Out. And that was it. And it didn't even win. It just won, like, best screenplay, I think, best original screenplay. And that was it. But uh, why is that? They just think it's cheating or something? I mean, for me, like, horror, as far as, like, making horror movies, like, filmmaking, like, like watching them, I love them. But as far as, like, making them, in a way, it's not cheating. It's just kind of easy, I guess. Like, it's the A plus B equals C kind of thing. But it's also difficult. It's also difficult. Some of those shots are very, like. Like, it's really hard to, to convince somebody that somebody's being killed, you know what I mean? (laughs) Right. It's like. You're scaring people. That's one of yeah. when real life is already scary. You're mm-hmm. scaring me now. Like that's and so, not like easy. when you think about like Hitchcock, you know, not getting as many awards as he should. It's like what the fuck? Like this, like Hitchcock changed the psychology of movies, like forever. There's still rules that he made that are being implemented today. Those people are so stuffy. It seems in the Oscars, like they're just so like it's crazy. Hmm. Like it's, they they have ugh. It's crazy. But Titan is the best horror movie ever and i literally bought a huge ass poster it's actually at my house it came the other day it's a 47 inches by 63 inches and it's the fucking biggest poster i've ever seen but i'm gonna get it framed 
And when we get a bigger studio, it's going to be hung up right behind me. Mm-hmm. It's literally this, this picture. With the pink, with the blue, and the neon. Yeah, that, the famous picture. <laughs> it's, it's so good, dude. And when you watch it, you're literally like, what the fuck? But at the same time, you're like, this is actually really good. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like the perfect horror movie. Like, I don't know. Like, if you look, if you just think about, like, body horror and shit that just makes you want to, like, what the fuck? Like, just, that's why I say Cronenberg-esque. You know what I mean? It's just so close to, it's, it definitely has those inspirations in it. And I love it. But number one is licorice pizza. I had to. I don't know, man. That's why I was like, I got to know your number ones. I feel like even just you explaining Teton, I would like that better than licorice pizza. Licorice pizza, I loved it because, one, because this is unlike, at the, it, like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, Paul Thomas Anderson has made a movie in the 70s before, but it hasn't made a movie like this before. You know what I mean? Like, Boogie Nights was Boogie Nights, and Inherent Vice was, like, a detective movie. But this was like just the way it feels like you're literally like hanging out with these people and you're literally just like there. Like it's not even a climactic movie really. It really isn't. And you're just like there. And it's so, it just feels so good and cool. And like, you're literally like living. I feel like if you watch this enough, you're like, you feel like you're in a different era. You're like, Mm -hmm. this is so true to the seventies. And when you, like the soundtrack is just amazing. The sound, the one of the best soundtracks in the past couple years. But Licorice Pizza, Paul Thomas Anderson directing like new actors that haven't been yeah. in anything before, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's that is always a great thing to see. And you're just like, and they just fucking carried this movie. And how Al- Alana Heim looks like such a valley girl, mm-hmm. like she looks like a '70s LA girl. You're like, that's perfect, cat. Like. She's, She's perfect. super Jewish in that movie. They really and, and it's like I like how they did that. And just the absolute like charm mm-hmm. of of Cooper Hoffman in this playing Gary Valentine, like it's just perfect. His relationship with the waitress. I still don't know her real name, but oh the the waitress <laughs> from Always Sunny. Yeah, it's so like he just disappeared. She was like, "I'm going." I'm yeah, gone. she's like, "I'm going to Vegas," and he's like, "All right." <laughs> and then the thing was just by himself. And that's why he was a hustler. Yeah, he had he was to just, live on his own. And also just the kind of I I always say this, but like I love the movies where it's like one it follows one person and it just runs into these people. You know what I mean? If you look at the list of my top ten, half of them are those movies. <laughs> Fucking Bradley Cooper coming up the hill. <laughs> Bradley like, Cooper. What the fuck? <laughs> and that's why I love about like that feeling you get to where it's like it's funny and you're having a good time, but it's almost like you're one of those kids in the truck. Yeah. You're like having a good time. You're like, this is fun. We destroy the Ferrari. But when you see him, you're like, oh shit. Like, like dude, we're fucked. We're fucked. So, and they're, he literally gets in. He's like, drive back to the house. And so they just reverse all the way to the house. And Bradley Cooper is just hilarious. The going down the hill scene backwards with no gas. She killed that shit, dude. She was just fucking whipping that. I was like, how the fuck? Like, that's crazy to me. But, like, fuck the part when Bradley Cooper, like, helps her out, like, so they don't run in the Ferrari when he, like, bends all the way over. And he's, like, right on top of her in her face. I was laughing so hard. And also the, I forgot that, what was that dude's name? John was it John Michael Higgins? John yeah, John Michael Higgins. 
that dude. Oh yeah, the, the with the Asian accent. Oh, <laughs> that shit was so funny. And uh, and I don't know what she's saying. I don't speak Japanese. <laughs> and so just Cooper Hoffman playing Gary Valentine, yeah, like really him, good. like not like him realizing, like, oh yeah, this kid acting shit isn't like working out. So I'm gonna open like a pinball machine place, or I'm gonna shoot like uh, an ad for this politician, or I'm just, like he's just keeping on going. And he brought him being a child actor into his role. Yeah, there was like throughout the movie, I forgot that he was Philip Seymour Hoffman's son. But there was the part where he smokes the cigarette when he's like calling the pinball machine and shit, and he's like, "Oh, what are you gonna do? You're gonna go to the, get the pinball equipment, whatever, and uh, and all that." But when he smokes the cigarette and he's looking at her, I was like, "That's Philip Seymour Hoffman's son." Like they're just the look. The I I I got it. I got mm-hmm. just the complete like genetics from from that scene alone, and. I don't know, people, I don't want to say, people definitely didn't, don't underappreciate this movie. Everybody who's, who I know that has seen it loved it. Mm-hmm. So I do think it'll get nominated for an Oscar. For sure it will. But I think Alana Haim should definitely get nominated for Best Actress because it's it's so good. Just the fact that everybody killed it and... And everybody that's in it, there's such like memorable scenes, and they're it almost feels like they're from different movies. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh shit, that was the same. In my head, I'm like, oh, that was the same movie, like the part where they're at that that bar, and then they go outside, and the guy goes on the motorcycle, and she falls off and shit, and he starts running. Um, like that doesn't feel like it's in the same movie as when he's selling the waterbeds, and he gets arrested out of nowhere. Because that I remember watching for the first time when he gets arrested and the cop is, puts him in the back seat and is like, "You're going to jail for murder." I was like, "Oh, this movie is taking a turn." Yeah, because you're sitting here like, you think there's a part of you that believes he might have done it because he's mm-hmm. such a good liar. Yeah, and but also, then you're like, "Oh, he's just a fucking kid, <laughs> dude." They just pick, they just picked the kid up off the street and was just yeah. like, "You look like the dude who did it." And yeah. then the lady was like, "That's not him." And I believed it because it was Paul Thomas Anderson making the movie. And I was like, because I expected the whole time, I was like, this movie's going to take a dark turn. Yes, I was expecting that the whole time. I was like, like something's off about this kid, yeah. man. I don't trust him. He's too good at I this. I was like, something's going to happen, and you're going to be like, oh, shit. But nothing happened. And that's what I love. Like, that's what I mean when Paul Thomas Anderson has never made a movie like this. Like, nothing happened. You know what I mean? And I, there's something about me that just loves it to death. It is a good movie. I would have... I've never even seen Titan, and I would switch them for you as much as mm-hmm. you talked about them. Yeah. But, I mean, it's fair. I mean, it was hard, but I saw, I rewatched Titan and I rewatched Licorice Pizza, and I was like, I just love Licorice Pizza more. But as far, I don't know. Because this is my favorites of 2021. But as far as, I don't know, I think I would still put Licorice Pizza above Titan. But. Is it a recency bias? Um. Maybe. I don't think so. It might be, but I just, there's just something about it. Because I rewatched them both like a day apart, I want to say. But it's still just, there's something about Licorice Pizza that there's just that charm to it. And the the feel of it, the soundtrack. Probably just not as dark. It doesn't make you feel bad. Yeah, I think that's (laughs) probably what it is. is. It's like, yeah, it's a good movie, but fuck, dude. But Titan is a masterful movie. Julia Ducarneau, the director, she is going to be the future of horror she's only made two movies so far her first movie raw is actually on netflix and that's a great movie too if you want to go watch that for the people listening but julia ducarno she knows 
and the reason why I love Titan so much is because you're in great hands. You know what I mean? Like when you're watching a movie and you don't really know who the director is like fully, you're kind of like, I don't know how this is going to go. But like when you're watching like a PTA movie or a GDT movie or a Julia Ducourneau or Denis Villeneuve, you're like, you're in good hands. Like, you know, kind of where this is going to go. You know what I mean? Or not we're going to go, but you know, you're not going to be like let down or it, or it's going to take this kind of turn or that kind of turn. You know that like, you can kind of trust them like mm-hmm. with their style and, of, and their storytelling. But Julia Ducarno, I believe she's up there with the future of horror movies, like with uh, Ari Aster and Jordan Peele. Like she's definitely up there with them after seeing Teton. But that's my top 10. Last Night in Soho, The Card Counter, Red Rocket, The Green Knight, The Harder They Fall, Nightmare Alley, Dune, Tragedy of Macbeth, Teton, and then number one, Licorice Pizza. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed my list. I, should I say some honorable mentions? I have three honorable mentions. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So number... I am starving. But yeah. Number one for honorable... There's no ranking for these honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. But uh, it didn't really get in my top ten, but I really loved it. And I think this definitely is a recency bias. But Swan Song with Mahershala Ali, his first leading role, mm-hmm. uh, is just insane I, t- I touched on it a little bit uh in the episode with menda but Swans- was he not the lead in that movie where he was going across the country as a singer no that was uh kind of v- Viggo mortensen like he was more of the main character okay all right the driver was more of the character main character yeah no i mean if anything they were both supporting you know what i mean i don't think there was a lead in that movie but they both were on screen at the same amount of time okay but um but this is his first real leading role. Like it's him. This is his movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, but Mahershala Ali, after watching Swan Song, it is just a great movie. A good take on the not so distant future, which I love when movies do that. Like kind of like Ex Machina. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like you know the year four thousand. It's like a fifty sixty years away. You know what I mean? And um. Swan Song is a very touching movie, a very emotional movie, and I, I really love it. And then another honorable mention is also Blue Bayou. Yeah. And then... Uh, I'm sorry, I got you. you didn't even put that in your list because you talk about it so much. I thought that was in your top 10 already. It was going to be, but after really thinking about my list, I was like, all these movies are just... I just loved them better. Not to say that it was, you know, I don't love Blue Bayou. You know what I mean? Mm. Obviously, there's I saw a lot of great movies this year, but that's why it was so hard making a top 10. But Blue Bayou, um, a really good, like, like social commentary, I guess, with, like, you know, adoptees in America mm-hmm. and especially adopted immigrants. Yes. Like, it's a big deal. Yes. And and I feel like, and there's a whole thing at the end credits where it shows, like, you know, the state of where that's at in the legal system. And um, it really brings you awareness to that. But not only that, like, but also... As a movie, it looks amazing. And the only really, if you want to really want to know, the only reason I went to go watch this movie is because it was shot on 16 millimeter. And I was like, I'm going to go watch it. Yeah. And so I watched it and I was like, it looks beautiful. It's like just, it's almost surreal in some parts of it where you're like, this movie is like such a touching emotional movie, but there's parts of it that feels like supernatural in a way. But because he comes across, you know, there's like a, uh, a location in the movie that he goes like he goes to like this small little like pond like river thing and it's almost like that's like a like a source of hope for him and like when the, in those parts of it it's like 
so touch like it's so real to you but it, it looks amazing but another my last uh honorable mention is benedetta the horny nun movie yeah that's a great fucking movie if you want to watch like a great like just entertaining wild movie watch benedetta which is like I say, it's Paul Verhoeven. Like, RoboCop is an insane movie. Like, that movie's so wild, and so is Total Recall and, and uh, Starship Troopers. Like, those movies are so wild, but Benedetta is also up there with them. I got to see it now, because you just named some of my three <laughs> favorite movies, obviously. Like, like, Benedetta, you're just like... Starship Troopers is the movie that started my obsession with sci-fi movies. <laughs> Dude, I promise. When, I watched when, that movie so many times. When we have the twins on, there definitely be a, there will definitely be a discussion of uh, Johnny Rico. <laughs> I uh, Faustino actually has a uh, tattoo, yeah. on his leg. When I saw that tattoo, I was like, I know exactly what that <laughs> is. Tattoo. But but Benedetta is a great movie. It, it looks amazing. Like I hate saying that. Like when I say, oh, visually it looks, but it's true. For this movie, you know what yeah. I mean? No, yeah, I love Starship Troopers. The scene where the fucking thing goes through her leg after she shoots it, and he's like, <laughs> But fucking, um, I, I really like watching Total Recall. Fire when a chick gets her arm burned off on the right side, and she's fucking like, <laughs> I really like watching Total Recall. The bug monster re- re- Really high. That's a crazy the original also the recall? effects. Yeah. Oh my god, when he's out on the Mar- when he's out on Mars and he's like, ah, he's fucking dying and his Dude, eyes are crazy. bulging out. I was like, this is my favorite movie <laughs> ever. Quato. Total recall. It's definitely a master. Like visually, like effects Thank wise. Thank you. It's crazy. This is why the remake was so bad. Like there's no topping. You didn't have to. You didn't have to. You should have just remade the movie with better effects. Yeah. You didn't have to make the whole story different. Yeah, they went more on the... They tried to change it into more, like, like modern. cool, yeah. like, mod. That shit fucking a bombing. Boo! <laughs> Where's Mars, bitch? Yeah, that's all we wanted to see. That's all that's we wanted to see. The mo- we didn't that was kind of the to best part it. of Total Recall, the original. Be- that's what made the whole thing work. Yeah. They was like, we don't want to do the aliens thing. Oh, so fucking having a tunnel through the middle of the earth yeah, when made people, more sense. When people remake movies, as far as like the early two, 2010s movies or late 2000s remakes, it's like, just make a different movie. If you're going to change all that from the original, like just make, just call it something else and people won't even think about the original. You know what I mean? You, I would never know that was Total Recall <laughs> because nothing, only thing that was the same was the machine, I think basically. the farthest you could go was like, oh, that's kind of like the original Total Recall. If it was called something completely different, you'll be like, that's similar to that, but you'll still think it was a better movie. Completely different movie, and I would think it was better. I'm yeah. like, I like the Total Recall homage to it. Yeah. That's what I would have said. Yeah, you, like, you wouldn't connect it so much with the original, I feel like Because people... you fucked it up by <laughs> connecting it, because that movie yeah. was... Cause you, I say it's terrible only because it's bad in comparison to Total Recall, the original. Mm-hmm. If you really like watch it, watch it. Nobody does a bad job, really. Mm-hmm. Kate Beckinsale does a good job. Mm-hmm. Brian Cranston does a good job. Mm-hmm. Like the effects in the movie are great. Yeah, the piano playing scene, I love that with the hologram and shit. Yeah, but the fucking, why would you take them off of Mars? Where's the mutant set? Yeah. That the the like the, all the cool parts from the original are like pretty much gone. And also, in fairness, though, saying that out loud, it might have been that was prime PC culture, so you couldn't have the little person, mm, the mutants, the right. fucking the that's people true. starving. Yeah, they were like, dude, we can't do any of that stuff anymore. Yeah, 
that probably was more what it was the little the little prostitute midget like you can't yeah. have that anymore it's definitely not definitely not today no <laughs> the lady with three titties oh she was in the movie though. that was cool they brought her in the movie <laughs> I they mean, brought three titties I in mean, the movie when i was young that's all i knew that's all i knew that's about. all i knew about it's like <laughs> that lady got three tits I remember watching Total. I remember watching a lot of iconic movies for the first time. I did not get RoboCop when it first came out, but Total Recall. I remember the three titties. But um, Paul Verhoeven, Benedetta is great. If you want to watch, I say just prep yourself for a wild movie. It's a wild movie, and that's what it's supposed to be. And I feel like people like don't get it when they watch like Titan. It's a horror movie. Like you're gonna be like, what the fuck. Like, because, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm saying for like these modern horror movies that are coming out that are different from your traditional horror movies, like slasher, like 80s slashers or whatever. It's like, you want us to just make the same horror movie, like the same thing, but different people that look different. But like, I want the genre to be pushed even more. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I want people fucking cars to be like creepy and scary. You know what I mean? Like, it is creepy and scary. And like when people, when especially like with sound design, like I don't want jump scares. I want like someone's fucking face being crushed to just make you go like, oh, like you just hear their bones cracking. Like I want shit like that. Or when someone gets stabbed, like there's a part in a uh, in um Halloween Kills, the new Michael, like someone gets stabbed in the armpit, and you're just like, oh my god, like, and you've never seen that before, never. And so it's like perfect place to stab too yeah it's soft you're gonna your heart's right there and it's like with titan there's a part where someone gets stabbed in the ear hole and you're just like oh like it just makes you you don't it's not like because they happen in scream too remember when he stabbed when they stabbed omar epps in the ear i never seen scream 2 with jada pinkett Mm-mm. oh shit. i've only seen the first that's one. the best scream out of the i've out of only seen the first scream well it's that's a that's actually a battle the first one and the second one are mm-hmm. like neck and i neck. remember seeing the first scream people the- make fun of scream 2 because of jada pinkett's mm-hmm. uh like performance in it because something at the beginning of it she gets fucking like they're watching the movie about that's when they started oh. that whole like making the movie about the yeah. shit but uh yeah that that movie um the shit was fucked up <laughs> Yeah, Titan, great fucking horror movie. The, stabbed in the ear, yeah, yeah, that's it, what I was it was great. About, yeah, those being stabbed in the ear. That's like that. I just watched a movie. I told her it was called like Thirteen Sins or something, but it's about Thirteen Ghosts. No, not Ghosts. Oh. No, that movie's fucked up too. <laughs> but uh, this no, it's this movie with the dude from Iron Man Three. He was Gildred Killian. Oh, he's Aldrich a Killian. he's a priest in this movie, but he's actually like uh, they're about. They talk about how demons are fallen angels, so it's like mm-hmm. this one scene. They say an angel's name and they fucking like blow the hole underneath the bridge up mm-hmm. with their power, or whatever. And then because she's possessed, she's eating glass. Oh, there's this, and she's and she's at. He wakes up because he they the angel knocks them out. So it's like you he wakes up and you just hear, ah. Oh. And you're like, what the fuck? And you just see her in that demon. You know how demons mm. like hunch over? You just see her like grabbing glass Dude, and her hands are bleeding. Insane. And she's just grabbing glass off the. So she's chewing it so bad that it takes her teeth out. So you just see. So then he's. Dude, so what the fuck is it? What is it called? I can't. I got to fucking remember. I'll show you after this. But the fucking. Uh. So the thing is like possession. You know how they sometimes they do the big mouth thing? Oh, yeah. Since her teeth are gone. All the glass is stuck in her gums. 
It's Dude. it's a lot. That's I, crazy. There is a lot to watch. <laughs> That's insane. It's crazy. You got to put me on with that. Yeah. Is that new? I don't even remember the rest of the movie after that. <laughs> but I just want to say there are other movies that like. There's a lot of foreign movies that I wasn't able to watch because there's no U.S. release date. Mm-hmm. You know, in 2021, like there's some movies that are coming out. You, you know, don't use a VPN. No, I want. To, I don't. I need to set that up. Yeah, that's a you. You're. Oh my god, I can't believe you don't just. Yeah, I'll put you on. Yeah, you need a VPN because you can watch all the foreign movies you fucking want. Yeah, I need to do that because there's a lot of movies like Drive My Car is one, and then there's this filmmaker that I love. Her name is Celine Sciamma or Schiama. She's Italian, and uh, she made this movie a couple years ago. A couple years ago, called Fuck couple years ago called portrait of a lady on fire and it's one of my favorite movies i've ever seen and she made a movie called petite maman and it's not out in u.s yet and there's a japanese movie called drive my car that's not out yet and there's just a whole bunch of foreign uh worst person in the world is another movie that's not out yet that that's getting a lot of hype you know outside the u.s Mm -hmm. and i really want to watch them but i should probably hook up the vpn thing to try to get like you know like 10 bucks a month yeah it's awesome and so but yeah there's a lot of movies that aren't out yet and there's other movies that came out in 2020 but like released in the u.s in 2021 that Mm -hmm. i just didn't want to include because it was so technical i was just i'm just gonna do the obvious 2021 movies but uh do you want to wrap it up or yeah that's right because i gotta gotta eat one and then i gotta okay all right, let's everybody re- go see a therapist this year, twenty twenty. Yeah, twenty twenty one. Get your get your, get your fucking therapist, body, man. Your body and mind right for sure, and and drink some water, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, go watch Teton. Go watch Licorice Pizza. Go watch Nightmare Alley. Go watch all those movies I just listed. I'm actually now once this episode comes out, I'll post like an Instagram post of all the movies that I listed, so mm-hmm. you can just have a list on Instagram. So I'm gonna do that. Yes. Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll tune back next week. And I'll just name all the movies that come out in 2022. Yes, we'll talk about our because the uh, none of this really matters podcast crew. Amanda and I are now Stubbs members because we are oh, committing sick. ourselves to seeing more movies in theaters this year. Dude, we're on, like, on we want to do that for the podcast. On AMC, I can add you to my like members thing. So it's like if I buy a ticket. I can like add you. I could like almost send you my ticket. And I forgot mm-hmm. exactly what you it is. You have to be stubs to stubs. Yeah. And so I was like, oh my God, we can do that. Yeah. So that's what I'm going so to see. You we're, are now. We're, we're going to, because I tell you what, walking to the front of that concession line made it. Dude. Um, It's so it was worth see, it in that moment. Me, I said, this is worth when it. When me and Menda go to, went to go see Red Rocket and we skipped everybody. Wasn't the was, line long as fuck? Yeah, it was fucking packed. And we just skipped right to the front. And that shit was amazing. Sir, but, can I help you? Did, did people look at you like, what the fuck? Like, mm-hmm. like, you don't see this yellow? Yeah, and then you're like, okay, scan my shit real quick. <laughs> and Please, you get those yeah. points. Thank but, you. But, um, yeah, we're going to be talking about our 2022. Yeah, AMC, go ahead and sponsor that. Most anticipated movies of 2022, which there's a lot. I have a list of 5, 10, 15, 20, 22 movies so far I have on a list of anticipated movies that I know are coming out in 2022 and ones that aren't even announced yet, yet, mm-hmm. yet to come, you know, maybe the Safdie brothers come out with a movie in 2022. You know how crazy that would be? Oh my God. But also, yeah, we're just going to be going off about 2022 movies. I have a lot that I'm really excited to share. One is the Northman. That's all I'm going to say. The Northman looks amazing. It does look good. Me and Rob are going to be right there. Mm-hmm. 
uh, to go see the Northmen. We're going to be the first people to like by the It's going to be sick. But uh, also, let's go see it. But we'll talk about that next week. All right, bing bong.